Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. My name is Susie. I'm an American Gen X woman living in Berlin, a martial artist, violent crime survivor, and the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Tavia Benjamin, a.k.a. TSK Benjamin, a millennial Jamaican woman living in Kingston. I'm a poet, author of the book Words Beyond the Page, and a social entrepreneur. We're exploring the kinds of violence women around the world face, the different ways we defend ourselves on a daily basis, and of course, sharing self-defense tips and techniques as we go. If there's anything you'd like us to explore, send us your questions and comments to hi at teamprettydeadly.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. Ready to kick ass? Yep. Okay, let's go. So, back again, Tavia. Hey, Susie. I am so excited to talk today about, you know, the difference between self-defense and protection. It's interesting because... I don't know if I've ever thought about whether there is a difference between the two. (laughs) Mm. So, I mean, I feel like I want to throw that question to you and then I will feed off your energy with this one. I mean, what is there a difference between self-defense and or defense and protection? And if there is, what's the difference? There is a difference. Um, And the difference is disruption And stopping something before it begins. So if I'm wearing a raincoat because it's raining, I'm protecting myself. Okay. Right? But if I'm out for a walk and it suddenly starts to rain and I open an umbrella, I'm defending myself against the rain. Ah. So I guess one is before it happens and then one is when it actually happens. Exactly. Exactly. So you don't need to defend yourself if nobody is attacking you. I mean, maybe we all know people who are defensive, you know, who walk around being defensive about everything all the time, Mm -hmm. right? There's lots of emotional reasons for that. And, you know, who knows what they might be for each individual. But in general, when we're talking about self-defense and physical self-defense or even emotional or psychological self-defense, you only defend when someone has attacked, Okay, right? So that attack has to be there first. Protection is making sure the attack doesn't happen. So protection and prevention are both more closely related than they are related to self-defense. Okay. A lot of self-defense uses the terms, you know, prevent violence before it happens. Learn how to protect yourself, right? Those are really common terms in self-defense. Personally, I have a really big problem with both of those terms because it's not possible. And the reason, which sounds horrible, But the reason it's not possible is because violence happens. You're just never going to prevent violence. You you can't do it. But you can defend yourself from it. You can defend yourself from it when it happens. But violence exists in the world. You know, in some some ways, I can even say it's neither good nor bad. It just exists. Mm -hmm. And it, it comes in many different forms. And, you know, you said it in an earlier episode that, Violence for one woman is not necessarily the same as violence for another woman. You know, it looks it looks different to the individual. True. So we can't prevent violence. We can try and protect ourselves from violence, but that also means that we live in a constricted way. So when I'm wearing that raincoat, that means that I'm covering myself from head to toe. I'm not exposing my skin to the air around me. So maybe... You know, I wake up one day and I think, well, I'm going to go take a really long walk around the city today. And the weather forecast says it's going to rain. So I'm going to wear a raincoat to protect myself from the rain. 
I'm going to wear that raincoat whether it's raining or not. I'm just wearing this raincoat. You know, meanwhile, it's like sunny and warm and I'm sweating and it's disgusting and I don't get to feel the sun on my skin because I'm protecting myself from this rain that I'm waiting for. Do you think we do that though? Do we do that as women where we are quote unquote protecting ourselves from violence and at the same time suffocating ourselves? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think we do that in in myriad ways. We do it by being, this is a horrible thing to say because I don't like using these terms, but we do it by being ugly on purpose. We do it Mm. by making ourselves unattractive. We do it sometimes by putting on a lot of weight. Because we We, think that men are less likely to attack us in these states. mm -hmm, Exactly. So we can do it by making ourselves act crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Not making ourselves by acting mechanism. Right. Which is a defense mechanism. Right. And that, that is a very valid defense mechanism, which has a really long and very fascinating history, especially in the world of women and the way that it's been used throughout history. However, it mostly only comes back and hurts us. So Mm -hmm. and suffocates us in the end, because then, you know, then we're, we're all crazy and hysterical. So these are some of the ways we do it. We do it by only going out during certain times of the day or night. We do it by only staying within certain regions within our cities. We do it by not going to university on the other side of town because we don't want to deal with all the harassment on the the mass transit system, Mm -hmm. right? We also sometimes protect ourselves from greater violence by putting up with smaller violence, which is kind of a funny way to put it. But A lot of women, the world over, and regardless of, again, regardless of socioeconomic class or skin color or religion or any of that, the world over, women tend to choose the lesser of two evils. I don't want to say tend to, that's crappy, but some women are forced into a situation where they they choose the lesser of two evils. I'm going to marry this guy because it'll keep me safer from all the other things that can happen. It's a safer choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's interesting because in the film Spotlight that I was privileged to be a part of, where it featured a woman who experienced violence, there's a part of it where he would have a problem with her coming home late and all of those things. And she would, in order to appease him, would just come home. Forget about whatever it is she wanted to do. She's quote unquote protecting herself by depriving herself of whatever it is that she would have done otherwise to either make herself happy, make herself fulfilled. She came home. And it's interesting because she still experienced violence. He found something else <laughs> to beat her right. for. So, you know, it's it's interesting that we look at these situations where we are protecting ourselves, but at the same time, are we exposing ourselves to other forms of violence? Exactly. Exactly. And this is a form of control that is often used not only with women, um, with everyone, but, but, but specifically in domestic violence situations where an abuser will say, or the abusive partner will say, you know, it's going to be a lot worse for you out there. Wow. You know, at least I love you. At least when I hit you, I'm not trying to kill you because I love you. But when you get out there, they're going to kill you. And a lot, you know, most, most of the women in the United States who are homeless are homeless because of domestic violence. 
And a lot of the reason women stay in domestic violence situations is because the other, the only alternative is homelessness. And it is true that how many homeless women are raped on a minute by minute basis? We don't know. We actually, we can't tell because they're homeless. Mm. It's almost impossible to track that information. So yeah, it's, I mean, it is worse out there. So you're right. I mean, we, we, we tell ourselves that I'm safer here than I am out there. So it's even though, to compromise. Right. Even though here, you know, it's kind of like the devil, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and this is how rape in itself is a, is a tool of oppression and control for women. You know, that's really the underlying, the underlying message for all of us all the time, the world over, you know, rape carries with it in every single society, such a horrible stigma regardless of how progressive that society claims to be. You know, the United States has gone through a lot of changes in its views about rape and rape victims. And so an American woman may feel, you know, if I'm raped, I know that society will not exclude me because now the current, you know, the current view is it's never the victim's fault. There's lots of support, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, because these things are so embedded in our society, she is still going to feel, obviously she's going to feel violated because mm-hmm. she's been violated, right? And that makes you feel dirty and broken and toxic and disgusting and acidic. Mm-hmm. And you feel like everyone can see it. Yeah. And you feel like you will be pushed away that even though people are being nice, you know, oh, it's not your fault. Secretly, they really wish you would go away. That's what you think, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you project that too. Right. But the idea of people saying, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. Like if you, if you behave in this way, if you leave me, if you go out on your own and live a life that is unattached to, you know, another person, be it a child or a sibling or a partner or a parent or whatever, you're going to be raped. You're going to be killed. And and anybody can rape you and society won't protect you because you've left what the definition of what you're supposed to be as a woman Right. And now there's no more protection for you. So you're you're in some ways, you're just human garbage and anybody can come along and just rape you over and over and over again. And that has been true, actually, for some women in society, one of whom is one of my personal heroes. His name, of course, I can't remember right now. Oh, shoot. Um, Anyway, this did happen to her. She's known as the bandit queen. She was um, kicked out of her society. And was raped, was gang raped at the age of, I think, 12 by every man in her village. Is it Fulan Devi? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Yes. Fulan Devi. Thank you. I can't believe I can't remember that. But yes, Fulan Devi. So that's what, that's what happened to her. And she was pushed out of her community and she was pushed out of her society. And she went and lived in the hills and she met up with a, a group of bandits and became the lover of the leader of the gang who then was killed in, in some raid. And then she became the leader of the bandits. And she became the bandit queen. And then she went back to that village and she took revenge on every single man that raped her. And then she ran for parliament and she became a government figure in India. She was eventually assassinated by the old gang that she took, you know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, don't do crime, don't join gangs. But nonetheless, it's, you know, so she actually created a whole life for herself outside of the society that she was kicked out of. You know, this idea of, you know, if you if you don't behave in these ways, you're going to be pushed out and no one will save you. And it's terrible out there. 
um, is a tool of oppression and control for women. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's up to also for you to determine for yourself what these tools of protection are for you personally. Like, what Mm -hmm. does it mean for you to protect yourself without putting yourself in a box or suffocating yourself in the process or exposing yourself to other forms of violence while you're trying to protect yourself from some. So it's really understanding what that balance is. And I mean, as you rightly explained, the difference with you protecting or procuring to ensure that when violence comes, you're able to defend yourself against it. It's good to understand those differences and really understand it within your perspective. Sometimes we look up these things, we look at what other people have done, and then we try to fit it into our lives without really understanding our life in itself. What are the things that I am exposed to personally? So in Jamaica, for example, I personally would not walk on this, just be walking on a lonely road. You know, I prefer to drive or take an Uber instead of taking the public transportation. Not to say that people on public transportation will just grab you and do things to you, but you are exposed to more things in certain areas than you would in others. So it it all goes to your awareness, your situational awareness of what's going on, where you are located, and making those decisions to protect yourself from it, to ensure that, okay, I will travel this road instead of that road. Or for me, I'm driving, I won't drive a shortcut. Or I won't go on an off road at night. I'll ensure that I stay on the main road. Not to say that something bad can happen to you on the main road, but that lessens it. So, you know, it's looking at those different situations and making that decision for yourself personally to say, how can you protect yourself? Right. But again, going back to the difference between protection and defense, you know, so we can make a lot of common sense decisions. It's just common sense to be like, okay, I'm not going to walk down a dark, empty alley at night in a, in a bad part of town. That's common sense. Don't do it. Right. Right. However, sometimes that's the only route home for whatever reason, maybe there's construction on every other road and that's the only way we can go. So Mm -hmm. that might not be what you want to do, but it may be what you have to do. Knowing that you can defend yourself, knowing that if violence happens, you can disrupt it regardless of happening and de-escalate it and defend yourself helps you to be able to continue on your way. True. And not live right? in a, a life of fear, like, oh my God, something is going to happen. What if this happened? What if that happens? Because that in itself can, even your awareness can be crippling sometimes where mm-hmm. you're aware of the things that could happen, but that obsession with all the things that could happen makes you anxious and you you create this anxiety within yourself which in it mm-hmm. of itself is not helpful exactly exactly pretty deadly self-defense is a self-defense program based in berlin but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in europe and around the world if you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.